Hey everyone, welcome to Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Brie Marie from livingbrilliant.com. I'm a blogger, online course creator, a mindset and success strategist, and now a podcast host. This podcast is all about how our mindset creates the reality of every aspect of our lives, from money, to relationships, to careers, to entrepreneurship, and even our health and wellness. I know firsthand just how powerful our mindset is, and just how easy it can be to get lost in the complexities of life. Through my own journeys with anxiety, a tough career transition, building a blog from scratch, and a super shaky start with online entrepreneurship, I've been able to connect with experts, coaches, entrepreneurs, and other bloggers from all around the world who are now excited to share their transformational stories and mindset shifts with you. So let's jump in. Friday, so I'm literally recording this on a Friday. Usually I try to be like one or two minutes, one or two minutes, one or two days ahead of schedule um, when it comes to Friday's podcast, but I was really busy this week. Like I got a lot of stuff done um, and I meant to record this on Wednesday, but I just ended up getting on calls and like having to do some more admin work. So last night, I already knew what I wanted the episode to be about, but I just needed to spend some time taking notes and like doing research. So last night, that's what I did. And the whole, how this came about was the other night, last, well, not the other night, it was last weekend. I was like, you know, I feel like watching a movie. So I get on my TV. I don't have cable because I just, you know, I don't know. It just one, it was like $120 a month for cable plus internet. And I was like, I feel like that's kind of crazy. So I skipped the cable because I had Netflix and I don't really watch a lot of TV. But lately, I think because it's like winter time, like and the sun goes down a lot earlier, um, I'm just inside more and so I'm watching a bit more TV than I think I usually would if it was the summer months. And so (laughs) I just have Netflix, Hulu, and then with my Amazon Prime account, I have Amazon movies. So I have the fire stick that like goes into my TV. So then I have it's like an app store, basically. And so I can watch Netflix and Hulu and Amazon all on like my TV. And so I go to find a movie and I'm like, it literally took me over an hour to decide what movie I wanted to watch. And I was getting so annoyed because there was just too many freaking options. Like I, there was some good movies on Netflix, but there was also some good movies on Hulu, but then Amazon had some, and then I have stars like S T A R Z. Um, I subscribed to that. It's like a movie channel. So, I had that and I was like, how come I cannot find a good movie? And it wasn't that there weren't good movies on there. It was just like I could not make a decision. So I finally got so frustrated that I was like, whatever, I'm just going to watch this. And it kind of like took out the whole like fun of watching a movie, like relaxing thing of watching a movie. And I was telling my friend Karen about this. I mentioned Karen before, Karen Hoffman. She I met her on Shaper, um, which is a really cool networking app. Um. And we just like instantly connected and we literally talk every week. And I was telling her this like kind of as a joke. 
And she goes, yeah, like it's the paradox of choice. Like the same goes for like dating apps. And that's like why they become so addicting is because like you can always find someone better. Like it's kind of ruining like the dating culture. And I was like the paradox of choice. And she's like, yeah, it's a book. Like she was telling me all about it. And I was like, this is like an actual thing. And it wasn't just. And it's not just movies. There's like dating like I said dating jobs like anything that requires us to make choices which we make them constantly I think there's like such a thing as like decision fatigue um but I'm not going to take credit for any of the information that I'm about to give you guys I'm going to include Barry Schwartz's TED talk in the episode description and also his book which I have on my reading list for 2019 um because I really do believe that his philosophy about how consumers make choices could be really, really great, especially if you're in business. So kind of, I'm going to go through it right now because I feel like the topics, the, the TED talk was a little bit dense. Like it took me a long time to like retain the information, even as I was like writing down everything. Um, so his whole philosophy is that the paradox or the paradox, I guess the paradox of choice is that offering more choices can sometimes mean fewer sales. There goes all my notifications. Sorry. Um, so the paradox is that often that offering more choices can sometimes mean fewer sales. And you're probably thinking like that makes literally no sense. Why? Well, it's a paradox again, but we're all suffering from choice overload. We have too many products out there to satisfy needs or maximize needs. I'm going to get more into this, but Barry uses these examples, and this is from 2005. I would argue this is probably higher. These numbers are probably higher now because you have vegan and Whole30 and vegetarian and plant-based and, you know, gluten-free and all of this, but he goes to his grocery store and he says there's 285 varieties of cook of cookies, 40 different toothpaste, 75 iced teas, 230 soups, and 275 cereals. Again, I feel like that's on the low scale now. These are numbers from 2005. But it's not just limited to grocery stores. This happens with cell phones. How many different cell phones are out there? Granted, I feel like the market is composed of either like Samsung or iPhones, but there's still a lot of different options, even within the iPhones. There's how many different variations can you choose now with the different colors? Um, This can go for cars. This can go for homes. This could go for jobs. This could even go, like I was saying, dating and partners. There's always going to be so many different choices. And the other example that he gives, and this is what really like kind of, I'm going to modify some of this information, but he said, he gives this example that we now live in a time where technology gives us the ability to work every single minute of every single day. So it becomes, should I or should I not be working? That is the choice. So I could be spending time with my family, but as we are doing that, we might be thinking, well, should I check my email or should I take this call or should I draft up that letter? And even if the answer is no, the experience of spending time with your family becomes different because you're making that choice. So it doesn't matter. Big things, small things, material things or lifestyle things, they be they become a matter of choice. Life is a matter of choice. And so say the good, bad, and ugly about all of the, all of these different choices is 
it gives us the first one is paralysis. So it becomes a psychological burden. So more choice means more time and effort to choose. And the higher the odds that you'll make the wrong choice or regret it. So there's there was a study called the JAM study. This is um, not in the TED Talk. I, this is like outside I did some more research, you know, I'm a nerd, whatever. Um, he talks about a jam study where consumers were 10 times more likely to purchase jam with only six jams than 24 jam choices. So less choice makes more sales. And the second, I would say, good, bad, ugly about all of this is that even if we overcome the paralysis of making a decision and make a choice, we end up less satisfied with the result of the choice than we would be if we had fewer options. So going back to my Netflix example, I couldn't make a decision, but the other movie like I couldn't make a decision. And as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, oh, but there were so many other good movies. Like maybe that movie would have been better. And so that imaginative or imagined alternative makes you regret the decisions that you made. And the regret subtracts from that satisfaction of your choice. So kind of think of it as an equation. You have one thing, you have one choice that you made, right? But then you're thinking of all the imaginative, imaginative, well, imaginative, imaginative. Why can't I say that word? Imaginative? Imagine. Okay. Think of this like a math equation. Sorry. My, I can't like move my mouth today. I don't know what's happening. You, you make one decision, but you begin to regret that decision because you're thinking about all of the other choices. So you subtract that one. And then you subtract another one because of the satisfaction that goes down based on that on that regret. So now you're in the negative. Now you're negative one. So it's like one minus one minus one. That's how it kind of like formulated in my brain. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's just how it did to me. But adding options to people's lives will inevitably increase expectations people have about how good those options will be. This is like, I think, a direct quote. I'm going to say that again because I think that this is super important. So adding options to people's lives will inevitably increase expectations people have about how good those options will be. So this is about increasing expectations. So less satisfaction with results, even when they are good results. So even if you make a good decision, you're still going to be plagued about all of the other choices that you could have made. I'm thinking like in my head, like the way that I was thinking this, it's like when you decide to go on vacation and you're like, you know what, let's go to Hawaii. If like funds were unlimited, time was unlimited, you know, all variables were the same and you could go on any vacation you wanted. What are the possibilities, right? You could go to Hawaii, you could go to the Maldives, you could go to the Bahamas, you could go to France, you could go like it just becomes overload. So if you're sitting on the beach in Hawaii and you're like, you know what, I really could have gone to Aspen and gone snowboarding, that would have been cool too. Now you're not enjoying the beautiful beach in front of you. So that's what he means when there's less satisfaction with the results, even when there are good results. Even if you chose to go to Hawaii, which is a beautiful 
um, state, a beautiful island, you are less satisfied with that. So (laughs) I'm kind of marinating on this idea because then he talks about the secret to happiness is low expectations. And I don't know how I feel about that. I agree in the sense of like where this, where all of this data is coming from, like when he's talking about the jam study. And he also did another one with, um, I think it was Vanguard. They did another study about retirement plans. So when you look at these like data and statistics, like, yes, it makes sense that the secret to happiness would be to lower expectations. But I'm also like, I feel like it's good to have high expectations or reasonable expectations. But then I think reasonable is subjective. So I don't know. I'm still marinating on that idea. But then he goes into this really funny analogy about jeans. And he said when he was growing up, there used to be one pair of jeans. Like you go to the store, you buy the one pair of jeans and like it is what it is. And he's like, you know, now I needed to replace these old pair of jeans that I wore for years and years. And he's like, I go up to the sales clerk and he's like, I will need a new pair of jeans. And she goes, do you want skinny? Do you want straight? Do you want boot cut? Do you want acid wash? Do you want distressed? <laughs> like all the options, right? And he goes, and now there's hundreds. And this reminds me of the time, okay, if you went to high school in the, in the 2000s, Um, true religion jeans were a huge deal. Okay. And these true religion jeans were not cheap. I think they're, they were like two to $300 a pop. And I had to have these true religion jeans. Like I was like, I don't want any other jeans other than these true religion jeans. I was a brat. It is what it is. And so I finally, I mean, obviously my parents made me work for them. So I was finally able to get these true religion jeans and, It was like that was the only pair of jeans that I wanted. Like nothing else felt comfortable, nothing else buttoned or like it just I just had to have these pair of jeans. And then when I finally got them, I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, now they're like maybe I didn't like the fabric or like whatever. So when there are only one or two options and you hate them, it's the world's problem right? Like, oh, well, there's just no other options. Like it's not, it's, there's nothing that you can do to control it. But when there are hundreds of options for jeans and salad dressings and jobs and houses, and you are the one that picked out those jeans or that house or that job or whatever it is. And those jeans give you a muffin top or that house (laughs) that you bought has a broken water heater or the job that you have sucked. It's your problem because you made the choice and that becomes self-blame. So now you begin blaming yourself because you made this decision. And what does self-blame lead to? Anxiety, depression. And I'm not going to get into that into that here, but I do think that that's like a very valid point of making choices and then being disappointed in them and then blaming yourself for making the quote wrong choice or that less satisfaction with the results, even if they are good results. So if you're following me here, because I know this is kind of dense, the more options you have, the less happy you will be, no matter what you decide. 
And you're probably like, okay, we have all this information. So like, how do we change the world? Because, you know, we're going to continue to create more options. I also think about this in the sense of like, when I when I'm like, oh, I need to order something like on the internet. Um, like dog food, for example, I had to order Cleo dog food. Um, from all these different sites. I just like my eye just got so itchy. Sorry. Can you tell how like impromptu this is? <laughs> no edits. So I had to order Cleo dog food the other day and I just type in I go into Google and I just type in his dog food brand. I think it's like blue. I don't know. He is like he's pretty bougie when it comes to dog food. Like, we don't do Purina or Pedigree or any of that. He has to get, like, the organic, grain-free, free-range dog food. And I, like, type it in, and there's seven different sites that pop up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, what? How do I even make, again, how do I even make a decision? How do I make a choice of which one to actually order from? So what Schwartz recommends is he uses this analogy about running shoes. So if you, I mean, think about it, how many thousands and thousands of pairs of running shoes are out there? There's Nike, Adidas, there's probably other, I don't know, probably hundreds of other brands I don't even know. So he recommends that you develop a criteria. If you're shopping for running shoes, or in my case, I was shopping for dog food, develop a criteria. What is the max? What is the maximum? What is the what? What am I willing to pay for it? So what is the price? Is there a particular color or type of maybe type of food? And three, is there like, do you want them to be like waterproof trail shoes, road running shoes? I don't know running shoes that well but like and, and also I'm thinking I'm using too many analogies I hope you guys are following so like for Cleo's dog food it was like how much was I willing to pay was there a specific I guess type of food like of course like I wanted that particular brand and that particular I think it was like salmon or something and I wanted a particular size it had to be like a like you know I didn't want an 84 pound bag of it I wanted I think it was like 14 pounds I don't know but those were my criteria. And so when you're shopping, you can think of your options as two buckets. One fits the criteria and two does not fit the criteria. And the moment you find a pair of running shoes or that dog food that belongs to the first bucket, which fits the criteria, you buy it and that's it and boom, you're done. But I also like to think of this And sometimes people don't understand why I'm so weird about meal prepping and food and things like that or wearing like simple clothes is I think you sometimes have to eliminate choice. So the reason why I'm very like either Sunday or Monday, I make like a batch of food that I just basically eat for like three or four days for dinner. And for lunch and dinner, I'll make like different things so I can kind of mix it up, but is because it eliminates that choice. I'm like, I don't get up at, you know, from my desk at 1230 and say, hmm, what am I going to eat for lunch today? I already know it eliminates that choice. I go into the fridge. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have my leftover enchiladas or, oh, I'm going to have this salad that I made or I'm going to have this leftover sandwich that I 
that I made the other day that I couldn't finish, it eliminates that choice for me. Mark Zuckerberg, I can never say his name, Mark Zuckerberg, right? Mark Zuckerberg. I hope I'm saying that right. Please don't butcher me. Um, He wears the same t-shirt every day. Not the same one. He obviously has like multiple options. Like he has the same shirt, but like multiple different ones of the same shirt. He wears that the same every single day. Like it's like a hoodie and I think a black t-shirt and a pair of jeans and like I'm sure Nikes or something. And that's what he wears. And it's not that he doesn't have style. It's just that it is one less choice for him to make every single day. But I also think to add to those two, the, the you know, limiting choice ideas with the, wearing the same clothes and making your meals ahead of time is I think bringing in mindfulness is super important. Mindfulness and gratitude. So if you guys don't know what mindfulness is, I have written a ton of blog posts about it. I also have free courses about it um, because it is really transformational. But I think in times where, you know, we'll circle back to that example when he was like, you know, you're spending time with your family, but you're thinking about how you could be writing an email or taking that phone call or writing that letterhead, whatever it is, I think you have to get really present. Because when you are really present, you're not thinking about the what ifs. And when you practice gratitude, you're in the you're present in the moment, grateful for whatever is in front of you. Like if I'm practicing mindfulness right now and I'm practicing gratitude simultaneously, I'm grateful that I have a microphone to record. I'm grateful that I have my MacBook that I can record on. I'm grateful that I have these notes and this binder and my phone and all of these things that allow me to do something that I really care about. I'm not thinking about, oh, and (laughs) this is like me thinking about it, but this this is for examples, right? I'm not thinking about, oh, in a couple of hours I have to record a podcast and then I have to call this and then I have to go pick up this prescription and then I have to do this and do this and do this. And it totally takes away from whatever it is that I'm doing in, in the moment. So I think that these... I believe that the that mindfulness and gratitude are two ways to also combat that paradox of choice of being content and being grateful for what you're doing in the moment, not what you're doing 10 minutes from now, not what you could have been doing, but what you're doing right now. So that's all I've got for you guys. This was a shorter episode. I really loved doing this. If you guys liked my little summary of this TED Talk, please let me know. Um, my Facebook and Instagram right now are a little bit crazy. I have been getting a lot of messages on both platforms to the point where um, neither one of them are actually showing me notifications. So if you've DM'd me or you've sent me a message on Facebook and I haven't responded, I apologize. I'm going to try to work through that um, today. But honestly, the best way to get a hold of me is to send me an email at infolivingbreely.com because I have all of your emails sent to a particular inbox in my inbox. So that way I can diligently go through them instead of like contact switching in between all of my apps. So um, if you have sent me a message or have a question, please send me an email to infolivingbreely.com and that is the best way to get a hold of me. I just don't think that it's going to be 
uh, feasible. Is that a word? Is that the right word? I don't know. It's not going to be, I don't want to say realistic, but it's just, I, I'm not, I don't have the bandwidth at the moment to go through all of my messages on, on Facebook and on Instagram. But I do love reading all of your comments um, and your, especially your emails. I love reading emails. They always make my day. And I'm so, so grateful that you guys listen to this podcast. So again, thank you so much. I hope that you guys have a wonderful weekend and I'll talk to you on Monday. All right. Love you. Bye.